Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include the regulatory framework, my interview with Change Wholesales, Jeff Siebold, on how lenders in the non-QM space plan to navigate amid higher interest rates, a growing affordability crisis, and other macroeconomic headwinds, and takeaways from the November payrolls report. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Richie May. Richie May is a recognized leader in providing specialized advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services to the mortgage industry for almost four decades. Among many awards, Richie May has been named a top 100 firm twice and is known in the market for their education and contributions to the mortgage industry. To experience how Richie May can help you transform your mortgage business, visit richiemay.com. The regulatory framework, some would say tangled web, facing lenders is made from hundreds of federal, state, local, and quasi-government bodies. Near the top of the heap is the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau. The CFPB makes its priorities known and is concerned with redlining, among other things. The CFPB can't do anything about rising credit score costs, but for some reason, people think it can. On Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, the CFPB's Mark McArdle will be educating us in a session sponsored by Lenders One that I'm hosting. For the link to register, as well as latest employment opportunities and lender and vendor products and services, visit robchrisman.com. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome onto the show Change Wholesale's Jeff Siebold to describe how he and the company plan to navigate the next five years amid higher interest rates a growing affordability crisis, and other macroeconomic headwinds. He's co-founder of The Change Company, a regulated non-bank CDFI certified financial lender. He's also chairman of the Advisory Committee of the National Diversity Collation, a nonprofit advocating for economic emancipation for minorities and financially underserved communities. Change is five years into its mission as a CDFI, a mission that has seen change soar to become the nation's largest non-QM lender. And I'm excited to have co-founder Jeff Siebold here today to describe how you and the company plan to navigate the next five years amid high interest rates, a growing affordability crisis, and other macroeconomic headwinds. So I want to start by asking you, Jeff, you became a CDFI in 2018. Looking back, can you tell me what drove that decision five years ago? Yeah. And First of all, thanks, Rob, for, for having me. Uh, we appreciate the opportunity. Um, yeah, in, in 2017, actually, um, when we started looking at the CDFI space, CDFIs were relatively unknown uh, back then, especially uh, mortgage-related CDFIs. Uh, but Steve, my partner, and I came from the banking side where you had exposure to CDFIs because they could help a bank fulfill their CRA requirements. So when we sold the bank in 17 and looked for investment opportunities, the, the CDFIs kept on coming up. And uh, the more we looked into it, the more we found some real structural and regulatory advantages of being a CDFI to create innovative and proprietary mortgage products um, and fill what we saw as a very big void in the market. Well, as I alluded, and this is pretty exciting, you're now the nation's number one non-QM lender. So first off, congratulations on that. And secondly, over this 
period, how did you rise to become the nation's number one non-QM lender? That's that's a huge accomplishment. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, it was really a goal of ours um, is to institutionalize um, the the CDFI, you know, um, product opportunity. But you know, really at, at the core of it was market education, uh, a lot of market education. Uh, we knew that the consumer demand would be there if, fo- if folks knew about the products. Um, and the easiest way to get the word out, uh, at least in the mortgage industry, is through wholesale distribution. So we needed to build out that, that channel. Uh, but more importantly, we had to educate the capital markets um, in order to scale the financing, the investor demand, the institutional counterparties, rating agency acceptance, and probably most importantly, the time to demonstrate the loan, the performance of these loans. Uh, it took some time, but we got it done, well, which is really a testament to the borrowers themselves, uh, not necessarily change. Um, the loans themselves are fantastic credits. And you know when the market sees them and touches them, um, and looks at them, they realize that like this is a really good prime credit and uh, it's going to perform well. As mentioned in the commentary last week, there's a cohort of companies that are in this survive until 25 mode, but there's also companies that are looking to grow more in 24. And I'm thinking maybe I should have been a poet instead of a podcast host here, but I, I assume that you're in the latter camp there, changes in the latter camp. And so I want to ask you, can your model of doing well as a company and doing good for the community thrive in 2024, in your opinion? I think we've demonstrated there's never been a lack of demand for our mortgage products, um, either from the consumers or from, you know, our, you know, mortgage brokerage or mortgage banking clients. You know, there's it's a really big niche that we serve and there's a lot of demand in it. Now that Wall Street and capital markets have certainty around changes CDFI designation and just the CDFI designation as a whole, we feel confident we can build upon these institutional relationships that we have to continue to finance and scale our business to increase the impact of serving the underserved. So we're very bullish on the product. And we believe that, you know, investors are, are as well. So we're, we're, we're very excited about 24. I'm glad you mentioned the underserved there because there's certainly a affordable housing crisis, if you will, going on in this country. And as a major lender, I, I want to ask you what role you see change playing in making housing more affordable and more accessible to more people, especially in those underserved communities. Product innovation. Change needs to continue to innovate and educate the capital markets on the strength and performance of these non-QM credits um, so we can continue to broaden our reach into the minority and underserved prime market. That was really that box really shrunk post Frank Dodd and and, uh, the ability to repay rules. I want to ask you how you view the overall lending landscape for 2024. Rates have come down a little bit here in recent weeks and aren't outrageous necessarily by historical standards, but people have been spoiled by rates, half of current market rates uh, a short while ago. How do you overcome that as a lending institution? It's a good question. Um, 
you know, one that we get a lot, to be honest with you, change and the non-QM loan origination kind of overall really is not handcuffed by consumer demand, even at these rate levels, um, frankly. It's really the investor demand for the products that drive the scale and profitability of these non-QM loans. Um, the traditional buyers of these mortgages, banks and insurance companies, have been on the sidelines you know, for the last couple of years, um, just due to balance sheet constraints and challenges that they're having. Our view, really, to be honest with you, is if rates just stop increasing, even just level off. Um, I think you'll find a lot of capital coming back into the mortgage market, looking to invest as the risk-adjusted returns on these non-QM loans uh, for investors will be just too good to pass up. I'm certainly excited for that potential. Uh, I want to wish you the best of luck going forward. I always enjoy having people from Change on the podcast, so hopefully we'll be talking to you soon. Uh, Mr. Siebel, thank you very much. Oh, my pleasure, Rob. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. The focus last week was on the payrolls data before the final Federal Open Market Committee meeting of the year. Non-farm payrolls rose by 199,000 in November, more than October, and slightly above market forecasts, while the unemployment rate dropped to 3.7%, earnings rose, and the labor force participation rate increased. The jobs numbers portray a U.S. economy that is easing toward a soft landing and is not on the brink of a recession, despite the predictions we've been hearing for nearly two years. And while the report wasn't strong enough for the Fed to reconsider its stance of not hiking rates this week, it did put pressure on stock and bond prices following the run-up in November. The report defied expectations of continued softening in the labor market as the Fed seeks to stick a soft landing, deflating hopes that the central bank will cut interest rates early next year, and lending to concerns that price pressures might be harder to stamp out than previously anticipated. Using last week's numbers, 2023's monthly payroll averaged 232000 well below the nearly 400000 monthly average in 2022. Additional data last week from the job openings and labor turnover survey revealed openings fell to $8.7 million in October, their lowest level since March of 2021. The labor market is slowly normalizing, and reduced job availability has eased pressure on wage growth to a more balanced level. Despite cooling income growth, demand remains higher for services. The ISM Services Index rose to 52.7 in November, and strong demand has allowed service firms to keep prices high. This complicates the Fed's mission to get inflation back to 2%, even though significant progress has been made. The recent rapid decline in rates, in particular the mortgage rate, which is down nearly 80 basis points since the end of October, along with continued job growth, are beneficial for homebuyers. But if the labor market remains strong, the pace of mortgage rate declines will likely not continue in the near term or may partially reverse. It's widely expected that the FOMC will hold rates steady this week, though market expectations are that the Fed will begin to cut rates in the spring of 2024, as job market trends are likely to weaken from here. Besides the FOMC decision on Wednesday, along with the updated summary of economic projections or dot plot, followed by Chair Powell's press conference, We have the mini-refunding today and tomorrow, and there are several key economic releases this week. Tomorrow sees CPI as well as the November budget statement. Wednesday sees PPI ahead of the Fed. Thursday sees retail sales, import prices, and business inventories, as well as New York manufacturing, industrial production, capacity utilization, 
and S&P Global Services PMI on Friday. After the Fed, the ECB, BOE, and SNB will be out with their latest monetary policy decisions on Thursday. Today is all about supply, with Treasury auctions of $68 billion of six-month bills and $50 billion of three-year notes, followed by $75 billion of three-month bills and $37 billion of reopened 10-year notes. The only data point is the Employment Trends Index for November, due out later this morning. We begin the week with agency MBS prices, an eighth worse than Friday, and the 10-year yielding 4.27 after closing last week at 4.25%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Three men died on Christmas Eve and were met by St. Peter at the pearly gates. In honor of this holy season, St. Peter said, you must each possess something that symbolizes Christmas to get into heaven. The Englishman fumbled through his pockets and pulled out a lighter. He flicked it on. It's a candle, he said. You may pass through the pearly gates, said St. Peter. The Scotsman reached into his pocket and pulled out a set of keys. He shook them and said, they're bells. St. Peter said, you may pass through the pearly gates. The Irishman started searching desperately through his pockets and finally pulled out a pair of ladies' panties. St. Peter looked at the man with a raised eyebrow and asked, and just what do those symbolize? The Irishman replied, these are carols. And so the Christmas season continues. Thanks again to Richie May, a recognized leader in providing specialized advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services to the mortgage industry for almost four decades. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.